Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. But first, I want to read a few other passages as you're turning. Psalms 95, verses 1 and 2. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before Him with thanksgiving and extol Him with music and song. Psalms 100, verses 1 and 2. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Or Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Beloved, we cannot escape nor deny the great truth about singing. We are created to sing. We are commanded to sing. It is, it is good for you and I to sing. And so today I wanted to do something a little different. I, I want to show you today the beauty and the peace and the power that comes with singing. I, I want you to know and understand that the great saints of history sang in their most trying hours. If you think about it. Many of the Psalms of David were written and sung in times of great hardship. David sang when his life was threatened by King Saul. Paul sang in jail. Many of the martyrs sang before their execution. Before their, their audience was their executioners, if you think about it. And singing was, the, was at the very heart of the Reformation with many people fearing the songs and hymns of Martin Luther rather than the man. Why sing in their darkest hours? In their most trying, in their most difficult moments, why sing? Because they had reason to. If you were to study the songs and psalms of the Bible, what you would discover is, is that there is never a moment in all of our life where God's people should not break into song. No matter the circumstances of our lives, the glory and the majesty of Christ overshadows all trials, all difficulties, all tribulations. FBC, I want you to know this morning that you have reason to sing. And I know that during a season where our focus is normally drawn, our focus is drawn to the birth of Christ. It's a season where we normally do sing a lot. We have cantatas and Christmas carols and all those things. I, I know this year is a little different. But if you think about it, beloved, this Christmas season should as well be filled with songs. In past, church choirs sing the cantatas and we do the, we go Christmas caroling. And unfortunately, this year those things have been shut down and but, but my prayer is this morning is I want to convince you of the opposite. I, I want to convince you of the opposite this morning where we are told not to sing and we, we may think that we don't have much to sing about. I want to convince you of the very opposite of that. I want you to turn your attention to Psalms 1. And there in verse 46 through verse 55 you get one of the most beautiful songs in the entire Bible. Written and sung by the very mother of Jesus Christ. It is called Mary's Magnificat or Mary's Song. It is Mary's Song of Praise. And as you will see this morning, that as we go through this song, Mary 
is giving every reason why every believer in all of the world has reason to sing. So let us look at this beautiful song. Look at with me in verse 46. And Mary said, My soul exalts in the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arms. He has scattered those who were proud in their thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with the good things and he has sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. And Mary then stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then returned home. Notice there, beloved, that Mary, there in verse 46, she says, My soul exalts in the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced. The, the double, it's the same thing, spirit and soul. But if she, she's so overwhelmed with the goodness of God that there's this song that is coming out of her. Why? Why is Mary singing? What, what is so great? What is so motivating that, that, a, that a teenage girl who's, who's pregnant, not by the guy that she was betrothed to, and, and all that is, that's about to come, because we know that Mary's life was going to have some sufferings in it. Why does she sing? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let us begin. First, we see that we sing because of God's salvation Notice she says, my soul exalts the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Mary says, my Savior. I love this. The first three reasons are very personal. They're really all about Mary, but they can be understood for us as well. But she understands here that the child in her womb is more than just her child. It's not just her son. He is her Messiah. Mary understands that this, this child that is in me is my Savior. Meaning that she understood that she was a sinner deserving of God's wrath and His, His judgment. That she understood that the world was fallen and that one day God would consume the world by fire. She understood all of these things. And so she is now lifting her voice in joy because the Savior of the world. No, no, no. Not just the Savior of the world, but Mary's Savior. Our Savior has come. Beloved, is Christ your Savior? Have you confessed your sins and repented of your sins before Christ? Have you believed upon Christ as Lord and Savior of your life? Are you a believer this morning? If you are, say it again. Amen. Amen. You have reason to sing. Jesus came to save you and save you He has through His death and through His resurrection, through His birth, His life. He has, he has brought forgiveness for your sins. Your punishment has been removed and you've been adopted into the family of Christ and made citizens of the kingdom. And your eternity is sealed with Him in heaven. Oh, beloved, you have every reason to rejoice and to exalt Christ today. Notice she also sings because of God's grace. For she says, for he has regard for the humble estate of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, generations will call me blessed. Notice the word regard. I love this. It means that God has turned his eyes upon Mary. Do you know what the book of Isaiah says about God and you? 
Have you ever been, have you ever been like, you know, in an airplane and you look down and how little the world looks and how little the buildings look? Isaiah says that we are but grasshoppers to the one who sits on the throne. And God has taken notice of the grasshopper. Not, not just because Mary was special. We've already established she's a sinner. There's nothing special about her. Matter of fact, she is just a young peasant girl, ignorable by all worldly standards. Yet God, sitting upon his throne above the universe, has set his eye on her and shown her favor. By the way, favor undeserving, which is the definition of grace. What favor has God shown her, beloved? That she would have the privilege of being the mother of the Messiah. And that generations will call her blessed. This is nothing but grace, beloved, and Mary fully understands it. But are you not like Mary? Are we not like Mary? Have you and I not also been regarded by God undeserved? Been given His undeserved favor, His undeserved grace? If you are a believer this morning, the answer is yes. God did not save you, beloved, because you are stronger and brighter and and better than all the others. In fact, it's quite the opposite. There is nothing about any of us in this room today that should draw the attention of God upon us. You are ignorable, unworthy. You are but a grasshopper, unworthy of even a glance from the king. And yet the God of heaven has set his eyes upon you. And for that, beloved, you are blessed before all generations the world may not know your name and time many will forget who you were but the God of heaven has regarded you beloved and therefore we sing we sing because of God's blessing for the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is his name mighty referring to the the strength and the raw power of God that he is all powerful and omnipotent and that through his power he does the most impossible of things what great blessing what great impossible blessing has he brought for Mary that she would be a virgin who becomes pregnant with the child And not just any child, for notice that she says, for holy is his name. No, no, Mary knows that this child, beloved, not only is this this virgin birth impossible, but she knows that this is the Word made flesh. This is God. What great privilege she has been given. What great miraculous blessing that God has presented to Mary. And yet, is this not what we see throughout all of Scripture? That God is all-powerful, that God is omnipotent, that He uses His power, He uses His might to bless others? Do we not see throughout Scripture children born of barren women, food brought forth to those living in famine, health given to the sick, and freedom brought to the slave, and crowns given to the poor, and life where death reigned? The scriptures are filled with the mighty deeds and the blessings that come from the very hands of God, the very, the very power of God. And Mary cannot help but rejoice as she looks at the blessing that God has given her. Has God not blessed you? Given you a family? Has God not given you a job? Has He not placed food upon your table and clothes on your back? Has He not given you a bed to sleep in? Or what about spiritual blessings that far outweigh the physical? Has He not brought salvation to you? Sanctification. 
What about spiritual life where you were dead in your sins and trespasses? What about those sins that you could not defeat in and of your own power, but God in his mightiness brought victory over those sins? What about spiritual maturity, beloved? The blessings that we have may seem small in comparison to that of Mary, but they are blessings nonetheless brought only by the might of God. The mighty deeds and the blessings of God are all around us and they are not to be unappreciated. No, no, I believe if we were to name them one by one, then we would join with Mary in song. We sing because of God's mercy. And in His mercy upon generation after generation toward those who fear Him. Now, there's a transition taking place. Let me just stop for a moment. Let me share this with you. There's two transitions taking place. The first three reasons were about Mary, but now the reasons are in general about God, and then the last one about Israel. But there is another transition that I really need to point out here. There's a transition in the language here. So, so the first three are, are present tense. This is what God is doing. But now the transition is past tense. But here's the problem. She, she's singing as though God has done all of these things in the past, but yet not one of these things has been done yet. These are all future accomplishments that Christ is going to do. So what is Mary doing here? Does she need an English lesson? lesson? No. The faith of Mary is so strong and so convinced in the works of Christ His future works that she sings as though they have already occurred. It is a done deal. What faith she had. And yet many of us don't even sing of these things even though they're already done. She sings because she knows that the one in her womb is going to accomplish these things and nothing will stop him. So what things is she sure about? What things are, are going to take place she knows of because of the birth of this child within her? Mercy, mercy and more mercy, mercy upon all who would fear him. Where grace is defined as the undeserving favor of God, mercy is considered not receiving what you actually deserve, the wrath of God. It is God's kindness and steadfast love to relieve the misery brought on by our sin. That you or anyone else you know, can, can be set free from the guilt and the condemnation and the fire and the, and the consequences of your sin. That which awaits you. Do you see the glory of the promise, beloved? People can be saved. Man, does that, does that not make you want to sing? The very birth of Christ gives me hope that the worst of sinners, which is probably you and me, can be saved. That the mercy of God is not limited, but it is vast and wide and it is deep. And it can save any sinner in whatever location, in whatever generation. This is our hope. There is mercy for you. There is mercy for your loved ones. There is mercy for your neighbors and for your community and your country. There is mercy for the very person that is on your mind right now that you wish was here and the person that you've been praying for and you just think there is no hope for them. There's nothing I can do for them. I have news for you, beloved. Christ has been born and he has brought mercy and hope for the very soul that you are burdened over. We sing because of his power. The mighty deeds, she says, he, he has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in thoughts and their hearts. 
This child in her womb will not be a weakling. She knows this. She understands that the one that is in her womb will be strong and mighty. Stronger than the proud. Those who have placed themselves over others. Those who think themselves superior to all lowly people. She sings because she knows that one day this child will prove that he is mightier than all of them. He is greater than all of them. And he will set himself up above all of them. I love this verse. I love this verse because this speaks of a day when the world, when all, all history, all people, all nations, all rulers will finally see the power of God for what it is. That His power will overshadow the works of men. Men boast in their ability to build and to construct. Yet our God built the world from nothing. They boast in their knowledge and how smart they are. Yet our God, His knowledge overshadows all. Even the knowledge and the information within the internet itself. Men boast in their ability to heal. Yet our God heals body and soul. Humanity boasts in its strength. And His power. And yet the weakness of our God is stronger than the mightiest of men. No matter the competition. He is stronger. He is more powerful. And He is for us. He is for us. And if He is for us, who can be against us? And so we sing... For our God is mighty and he will bring ruin to all who oppose him. We sing because of his kingdom. Mary says, he has brought down the rulers from their thrones and he has exalted those who were humble. She knew. The song, Mary, did you know? Mary knew. Mary knew. She knew that the one within her was not only the strongest of them all, but he was a king. And she knew that his kingdom would be greater than all kingdoms. This is no mere man in the womb of Mary, beloved. He is the king, the king of all kings. But he would not be like all other kings. No, his birth would be different. His life would be different. His death would be different. But so will his rule. His birth would usher in a new kingdom and a new way. A life where God reverses the fortunes of people. A life where the wicked rulers and, the, and their wicked kingdoms are brought low and the lowly are exalted. And the lowly are given the right to reign and to rule alongside Christ. I don't understand it, but the Bible says, beloved, that we who are nothing but grasshoppers will rule with Him. Mary remembered the dream of Daniel. How the stone, not cut by human hands, would crush all kingdoms. And it would grow into a kingdom that could not be brought low. Beloved, if you are a a believer this morning, if you are in Christ, that you are a citizen of that kingdom. And so therefore, you do not need to look across the globe and be afraid. You do not need to fear the wicked rulers of our day. You do not need to fear China. You do not need to fear Russia or Iran or Afghanistan or Turkey or North Korea. 
And I would even go as far as to say, you don't have to fear America. That as we begin to see the wickedness within our own country begin to rise up, beloved, we fear no nation. Because we are part of a kingdom that cannot be brought low. It cannot be brought down by plague, by famine, by might, by weapons, or by the greatest of men. The kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of this child inside the womb of Mary will stand for all eternity. And he will be praised as the king of kings. We sing because of God's goodness. He has filled the hungry with good things and he has sent away the rich empty-handed. Not only is he going to humble the proud and give mercy to those who fear and destroy the wicked kingdoms below, but he will satisfy the deepest yearnings of man. Are you hungry, beloved? Physical hunger is a, is a pain within the stomach that insinuates a deep yearning for nourishment, a deep yearning for food. The thirst is a physical pain that, that has a yearning that, that, that our, our throats be quenched with the coolness of water. Christ has proven himself to bring forth physical food and physical water. We saw it with Moses and the rock when the water comes forth. We saw it with Christ who multiplied the loaves and the fish. But all of this overshadows and points to something far greater than a physical nourishment, but a spiritual nourishment that you cannot feel in this world. But Christ can. Because the child in the womb is the bread of life that nourishes the soul. And he is the water that will quench the thirst for all eternity. And you will need no more. And so I ask again, beloved, are you hungry this morning? Not just physical things. Are you hungry this morning? Are you hungry for things that this world cannot satisfy by food and for by water. Are you hungry this morning because you are in need of something far greater? Are you hungry for something that only God can feel? Then rejoice because He has come to fill your souls. Or maybe, beloved, maybe you were hungry and you have eaten of the bread of life and you have drank from the never-ending water. And you have thirsted no more. Sing. Sing and rejoice. For Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be filled. This Jesus satisfies the deepest longings of men. And so we sing. And we sing because of God's faithfulness. He has given help to Israel, his servant, she says, in remembrance of his mercy. He has spoken to our fathers, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. I believe this was Mary's most favorite verse in the entire song. For Mary understood what her pregnancy means, not just for her and not just for the rest of the world, but she understood what it meant for God's people, for Israel. What help was God giving Israel? The answer? Faithfulness. God was keeping a promise that he had made thousands of years ago to Abraham. 
who told him that he was going to bless him. And through him, Abraham would be a channel of blessing to the whole world. What help is God bring, giving to Israel? He is giving them Christ, his son. The phrase given help paints the picture of one who reaches his hand down and grasps the hand of another and he holds them from falling to their, to their, to their peril, to their destruction. Israel has failed in keeping the commands of God, the laws of God. History has proven that they cannot be obedient to the Lord. No man can. But God in His faithfulness has sent His Son. That if Israel will humble themselves and take hold of the hand of Christ, that they would be saved. And we know this to be true, do we not? For everyone that was sick and lame and everyone who was hurting and in need in Israel when Christ was ministering, when they touched the hand of Christ, they were healed. This verse declares the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of Christ. Jesus keeps His promises. She knew that Christ, this child in her womb, was the faithfulness and the fulfillment of a promise that God had made thousands of years ago. That God made all the way back even into Genesis 3.15. The seed of the woman would come. And beloved, if she could rejoice... In the promise and the fulfillment of the first advent. Should we not rejoice in knowing that our God is faithful to keep the second advent. That he is coming back. Not as a humble child but as a conquering king bringing his kingdom into fulfillment. God is faithful and so we sing. FBC. I know that this year has been hard. And I know it's been trying. I told Brother Trey I just wanted to do something different today. And that meant preaching a little shorter. But as Martin Luther said, as long as we live, there is never enough singing. He also said the devil, the originator of sorrowful anxieties and restless troubles, flee before the sound of music almost as much as before the word of God. So what happens if you mix the music and the word of God into a song of the glory and the majesty of Christ? He flees. Music is a grace and a gift of God, not invented by by the hands and the mouths of men. Therefore, it drives out the devil and makes people cheerful. And so, beloved, we have much to sing about this morning. We have every reason to join Mary in her song and to sing because the birth of Christ portrays the glory and the majesty of God, our Savior and our King. And it drives our, our worries and our troubles and our anxieties away for just a moment that we may be cheerful and joyful in Christ. So the invitation this morning is this. It is to sing. And so in a second, I'm going to invite you to stand. I'm going to invite you to sing this morning. And so if you are lost this morning and you are in need of a Savior this morning, hear me please, then come and be saved by the repentance of sins and believing upon Christ as your Savior. But I would call on to you this morning and say, sing your prayers of repentance and faith to Christ.
If you are suffering this morning from a physical sickness or ailment this morning, I would call upon you, beloved, to come forward. And I'll be here with my family. I'll pray with you. One of our deacons will pray with you. But I would call upon you this morning, beloved, to find spiritual healing and song of the glory and the majesty of Christ. If, if this year has made you fearful and, and, and anxious and you're worried and it's been hard and there's been no joy, then drive it all away for a moment this morning, beloved, by singing the glory of Christ that you may know the joy and the comfort that the Son of God brought when He came to this earth as a child. And beloved, if you have one this morning that you know who is not saved, and your heart is burdened and it is broken over their salvation, them coming to salvation, there is hope for them this morning in Christ Jesus. So sing to the one who brings mercy upon all who would fear Him. Sing to the one who can save your loved one this morning. I know we don't have a Christmas cantata this year. So let this be our Christmas cantata. As a congregation this morning, let us come together and join our voices with the angels and with the rest of creation in their songs of worship and praise. As Brother Trey comes and you stand. Let me pray for you as we sing.